Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I'm Tara, and I'm joined, as always, by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Well, hi. Is it, is it basketball season yet? It's time, um, right? We're a few weeks away still. <laughs> we're, um, uh, how is your off-season going? Are you, is your off-season more like E.T., who appears to be partying his way across the U.S., at least on Instagram, or is it more like CJ, where you're getting in fights with all-stars on Twitter? Yes. Like both? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm eating all of the things and doing the one thing Evan Turner vowed to not do, to put on the extra weight. No, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, although I did enjoy a delicious, like, 16-inch corn dog at the Newburgh Old Fashioned Fair this weekend. Yeah. Um, that was... Does that when fit you're into on, the keto diet? Yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't. I had my uh, cheat day for the first time in like three or two months, and uh, uh, yeah, I felt like I died, but it was worth it. So, <laughs> shout out, shout out, country fairs and, and corn dogs. Yeah, and then, corn dogs uh, are really good. They seriously, just are. I, I think that's a that's a measurement for like how decent a human being is. Do you like corn dogs? Yes. Okay, you're a decent human being. No. What's wrong with you? They just, they just really are. <laughs> they're kind of, they're one, they're one of the perfect foods. And, uh, yeah, they, you they know, really are. I try to eat really well. I try to eat, you know, wholesome and clean, but yeah, there's just nothing like a corn dog when you really want one. I've been on vacation for a week, so I've had, uh, a lot of time to just, you know, think and reflect and I keep thinking about NBA stuff and I keep thinking, I wonder what Dan thinks about this. So later on. Uh, after we get That's through Blazer stuff, no, it's not. I've like, I like. I want to know what you think about some of the league-wide stuff because we've we've spent a lot of time, obviously, talking about the Blazers. But now with the Kawhi trade having gone through, things are uh, kind of starting to round into shape, and I'm really curious about what you think about some of those things. But let's start off with our Portland Trail Blazers. Um, a couple small bits of news or big depending on who you are because i guess for these guys this is huge news um it looks like pat Connaughton has found a home he is going to be going to milwaukee so shout out to pat do you have a favorite pat story or something favorite about pat Connaughton? I just love the fact that he's still out there, like doing Instagram videos, like showing everybody how sneaky, athletic he is. Did you see the one where he jumped up that onto that giant onto the, pile the 62 of sixty-two inch box? Yeah, the sixty-two inch box. Oh, I call yeah. it a giant pile of mats, but in any way, it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's got. Okay, so the way I always try to describe this, because because there's it, Pat's not sneaky athletic; he's stupidly athletic. Yeah, he's like in your I, face athletic. <laughs> he, he's the thing. I think part of the reason why is he's not a in-game big-time dunker is because if you watch almost everything that he does where he's explosive, it's off two feet. And that's great for, like, dunk contests or Instagram videos or jumping on, you know, CrossFit boxes. But it's very rare that you give the opportunity as a perimeter player in the NBA to get off two feet. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, the, the the types of moves that he's doing on Instagram are much different than the types of situation he finds himself yeah, in the middle he, of the games. He's just stupidly explosive off two feet, and if you look at his best dunks, like he had the 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 kind of East Bay funk dunk that he had in game on the reverse putback, um, the some of the alley oops that he has, like they're always a clear runway where he can get off mm-hmm. two, as opposed mm-hmm. to just getting off of one, um, but. Uh, I'm I'm actually really excited to see um, him playing alongside Giannis and Eric Bledsoe because they can just run out of the lineup. It's just so vertically explosive. Yeah, um, they they can take advantage of of his ability to run the floor and get up in transition where he can have the ability to get off of two feet. Yeah, he could be flying a lot in that uh-huh. lineup. So so I'm I'm glad for him. You know, every year this time of the year I'm thinking, well, maybe this is it for Pat Connaughton. Maybe he's gonna move on and play basketball baseball now, but he just stays in the league. So I really admire him. You know, he had a he had a nice run here and I uh, I wish him well. And I'm gonna miss I loved him on the bench. I really did love his bench antics. And uh I loved I I never really realized I don't watch a ton of baseball, but I watched a an NCAA game sitting next to a guy who is a huge baseball nut as well and mm-hmm. he said that he loved watching pat Connaughton because he really seemed like the kind of guy like a who you know honed his bench time like in the dugout like you know because when you're a baseball player you spend half your time in the dugout waiting well yeah you, you have to be a good teammate because he's you know yeah. he's a pitcher so he's only yeah. getting called up you know whether he's just working as a starter or coming off the bench as a reliever he's only getting out there when he's when he's called up and so he's got a lot of downtime and you're yeah, right he kind of he's kind of perfected the art of of being in the bench or in the clubhouse. I wonder who's going to be the new, uh, the t- you know, ta- rap- sauce. Oh, you think it's sauce? Now, why yeah. do you say that? Because he's used to being on the bench. <sighs> Was that I, like I, a- I, I? I know that sounds bad, but I think yes, it does. That's, do you want to explain I, that a little bit further? <laughs> he, I think he's that. That's kind of his role. Like is is to be that guy. I mean, it's just. He's he's not a guy that gets off the bench a whole lot, and I think realistically the Blazers brought him in as that thirteenth through fifteenth guy. I know a lot of people were projecting him to maybe get some minutes, but I I don't really see that happening. Um, he may get the minutes that you know Jake Lehman used to get as Jake moves up a, up a peg on the board, mm-hmm. but yeah, otherwise that's he's he's very much bench cheerleader. Which is cool. That's totally fine. Let's come up with some new stuff. You, yeah. can't, you can't reach back into the bag and like go three goggles. You got to come up with something new. Yeah, that's true. It, you know, we could have a little bit of new blood bringing some some sort of new celebration. Um, well, that'll be something for us to keep our eye on this year. So anyway, it really is July going into August. We I know. Are talking about bench <laughs> celebrations, folks. Good for Pat. Okay, another <sighs> little piece of news that came across the uh, the interwebs today on Instagram. Uh, it looks, it appears that Jake got engaged. So that's exciting. I've been saying that it's going to be the season of Jake Lehman. So it looks like he's got some really great news in his personal life as well. The Trailblazers just tweeted it out. So congratulations to him. So we've got Pat Connaughton moving on to Milwaukee. We've got Jake Lehman ready to move into another part of his life. And then we've got guys like E.T. and C.J. and the kinds of things <laughs> they're up to. <laughs> we talked. Yeah. Now, hey, and, and you know what? You had Myers who was handing out food and water down uh, downtown today, too. That's right. Or was that that's yesterday? Right. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, everybody's kind of up to something, doing something uh 
cool, fun, interesting. I think with 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 Evan Turner and CJ, you're definitely strongly landing the needle on the interesting side. Right now, is whether, whether he, is ET just in the, in the U.S. Because last year he did a lot of travel abroad, and it looks like this year ET's doing wedding staying... season. That's uh-huh. what he's doing. That that man, I think he's been in like I've seen him on his Instagram like three different weddings. Like he's he is doing the the wedding tour as as a as a man who is close to entering his thirties. That that's that's about right. Yeah. Um, I had I think from like twenty eight to thirty one. I went to the most of the weddings. Was, was yeah. it, we're in that range, so uh, I can imagine for a guy who has traveled around as much as he has in the league, mm-hmm. um, it, it's about that time. So, and is a and really it, popular it, player. Yeah, like exactly popular. He has a lot of friends around the league, so we shall see. I just keep remembering him at the exit interview, promising the coaches that he wasn't going to put on weight. So yeah, like, good luck with that at weddings. For uh, you know. For, for giving that a try. I know if I was partying that hard, it might be a little hard. But let's get to the heart of the matter, uh, the big one, which is CJ and uh, had Kevin Durant on his podcast. I think even people on the moon by now know, have heard this story because it really has taken the media by storm. So CJ's podcast, The the Pull-Up, which he's been doing for, I don't know, like six months or so, uh, he had Kevin Durant on as a guest, and I, I listened to it like as soon as it ca- comes out, and it was it was pretty interesting because they talked about a, a lot of interesting stuff that was kind of cool to be like a fly on the wall of of two stars. I mean, I know you know CJ has had um, you know other interesting guests on there, but none is like you know a big deal as as Kevin Durant. So, um, but it did. Um, I think what I said about it was, boy, neither of these guys are really doing any themselves any favors on this podcast because they were really ribbing each other like really pretty hard and I know that I'm ultra sensitive to things like this but people did pick up on um you know Kevin Durant making fun of CJ and the Blazers that they were never gonna it was the passive aggressive Olympics yeah so what were your what are your (laughs) thoughts on on uh this whole uh, whole thing because there's multiple parts to it yeah I mean we can break it down do you I want to start we'll off just, with who we'll, won? We'll start off with the, you know, uh, the, the in a, in a world where there can be a lot of winners. They still found a way to both be losers. Yeah, that you like, know what was, I, you know what really excited me about this, and then I'll stop talking and let you talk. I thought that this was the perfect time for me to bring out my tr- my phrase that I'm trying to make popular, which is this is what happens when a python swallows a porcupine. I thought that was like the perfect um, use for that because it's kind of like when nobody wins. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was, uh, when I first listened to it, the the first thing I was like, huh, man, now I'm hungry. I wonder what they're eating. Because they're they're sitting there, like, munching on a sandwich or something. Yeah, the second Um, episode especially, because they divided it into two parts. And the second one, I was like, you guys, just put down your food and chew. (laughs) We can wait. There there were parts during the conversation where, like, you you could... like you could mentally, visually picture what was happening. Like sandwich in one hand, like take a bite, then talk your trash, and then kind of look up through your eyebrows and give them yeah. a grin. Like, <laughs> yeah, you think that's funny, huh? I mean, you want to see me be passive aggressive? Well, you never gonna win a title. You, you know that, right? And then it was like, oh, okay. And then CJ kind of backed off, and then had to kind of defend what he needed to say. It was, it was, uh. Yeah, there was there was a lot of things going on there, and 
So I as don't... Trailblazer fans, mm. how do you think, I mean, looking at it from th- through, you know, the team that CJ plays on. So how do you think, uh, do you think CJ, you know, stood up for the team and his uh, teammates and the, the city? I mean, what do you kind of think about it from that angle? I think it was more about CJ than the Blazers in general, because whether people want to admit it or not, the whole DeMarcus Cousins thing kind of put CJ on the defensive, <coughs> excuse me, by himself. So, you mean when CJ started off the conversation by talking about DeMarcus going to the Warriors and just being like, "Hey, what's the deal?" Yeah, the the whole. The whole Nurkic thing, you don't want Nurkic, Nurk not good enough for you. Oh, of course Nurk's good for us. So, you know, he he had to go with the uh, the proper way to uh, save face, as it were. And uh, whether or not that's true, again, something we've talked about a lot this offseason are the optics. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got some in my throat. Um... And really, a lot of the optics for the Blazers this year just haven't been good. Um, if not for, like, the saving grace of Damian Lillard driving a U-Haul full of shoes, um, mm-hmm. the amount of, like, good things to, that could be said about the Blazers, like, outside of the immediate basketball stuff, hasn't been great, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're, in terms of, like, just any of the moves that the Blazers have made, that since they haven't just generally done much, there hasn't been much to say. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about CJ and this podcast is that he's able to ask questions and get answers that maybe the media can't. Well, yeah, that's a different level of access and comfort and familiarity um, that you're not going to get. I mean, I think the only person who even comes close to this is uh, a guy who used to be up here and Chris Haynes. You know, there's there's not a lot of people that are out there that these guys will go on their show and be able to communicate effectively and with a level of trust and, and understanding that, you know, you kind of know um, what to say, what not to say, um, and have the rapport necessary mm-hmm. to have, like, those, like, really open communications. And the reason I brought up Haynes is, guess who's the guy who got the DeRozan interview? Mm-hmm. Probably the most sought-after interview outside of Kawhi and LeBron for the season. Mm-hmm. And DeRozan said some things that were, you know, pretty out there as far as what you would typically expect from that kind of interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think CJ does a lot of the same thing um, because people do look at him as, as a top-level NBA player, and, and that commands a certain level of respect. Uh-huh. There were a couple of little bits in their conversation that I want to ask you about before we turn to the fact that the, um, the conversation was later on carried off carried out on Twitter, but there mm-hmm. were, a, there were just a couple little nuggets in there that I was like kind of bummed that have sort of gotten lost in the whole discussion. Um, one of them was when they were talking about, you know, Katie was, uh, you know, it was making fun of the Blazers for their first round exit, making fun of CJ. Playing you like know. an eight seed. Right. Um, but he talked about, one thing he said is that he didn't like the Pelicans' strategy against the Blazers because he thought it was gimmicky. I was really curious. That was one of those things where I was like, oh, I wonder what Dan thinks about that. Did you remember, Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, I think part of that, though, is because the, the gimmick is, you know, take away from Portland. Uh, take Damian Lillard away from Portland. Yeah, I mean, and the gimmick was sh- send everybody against CJ and Dame. 
But my yeah. thought of was, it's like, well, it worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reason those gimmicks work is because of the way the roster is constructed. The reason those gimmicks don't work against him on Golden State is because if you take one of them away, you've got, you still have another Hall of Famer to give the ball to. So, I mean, that, that's, that's why it's a gimmick, KD. Mm-hmm. And this, again, if we want to we, we talk about um, KD in general here, the incre- for, for being such an immensely skilled, talented, and thoughtful NBA player, his, his awareness and self-awareness about things sometimes it just blows me away the just considerable lack <laughs> of mm-hmm. ether. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're no kidding it was gimmicky, KD. That's what happens when you don't have three other Hall of Famers to get the ball to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then the whole, you know, we'll go into the Twitter thing, you know, you know um, calling somebody else a snake. I mean, <laughs> f- find another word, dude. Like even mm-hmm. even if you don't believe KD is a snake, like what is what is the meme of KD? It's snake. Mm-hmm. It's, find find some other way to, to work your way around that. So, I I think the entire time I was listening to that podcast is like I had my eyes like rolled the majority mm-hmm. of the time just because mm-hmm. KD is just one of those dudes where even when he says something interesting, he finds a way to make you like, why why did you go one step further? Like why yeah. why did you why did you have to do that? Like just. Like, you're talking about with the whole gimmicky thing. Okay, maybe phrase that a little bit differently. Like, I, I thought the way the Pelicans went after you was kind of one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, why, well, and why, why, why was that a problem for you guys? Well, yeah, I thought it was interesting that, you know, one NBA, that NBA players think that somebody's strategy is a gimmick because like Mm -hmm. i mean isn't all strategies some kind of a gimmick really i mean you're you know all defenses you're trying to do something and i don't know i just thought it was a a strange word and i was wondering if you really if you thought he like really meant it as like oh i thought that was gimmicky because i was like it seemed like it worked to me um well yeah but that's what i mean with like with kevin durant's inability or, or lack of awareness Mm-hmm. Like he's, it, it's he, a gimmick if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, or is it a gimmick to like the way Houston plays? You know, to only take threes and dunks, or you know, mm-hmm. at the rim and threes. Like, is is that a gimmick or is that just evolution? Is kind. Of, I've been thinking a lot about how basketball might evolve in the, the next iteration because you know it's never going to stay the same. And so, you know, one of the things that has changed in the last several years is, you know, the amount of three-pointers that people are taking. And then you take Houston, a, a team like Houston, and isn't what they've been doing kind of a gimmick in a way in that, you know, they take so many, they either, you know, shoot from three or they shoot right at the basket? Yeah. I don't know. That's, no, gonna, I mean, that's I, another I, conversation I, I, for another time about the evolution of, of the No, of the I, I'm right there with you with, with how... We, one kind of begets the other, you know, what, what starts out as a gimmick becomes a trend three years later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, taking away a star player or the best player in the playoffs isn't, isn't I don't know if I would really call that a gimmick. A double team. <laughs> you call it a double team. <laughs> yeah. A double, triple team, quadruple team at times. But like it was, it, that's nothing really new. Like that was before super teams. That's how you went after teams in the playoffs. You made everybody else beat you. I just think that the Pelicans exacerbated that because that's what Alvin Gentry does. He he takes right. one thing and he, you know he cranks it to eleven. 
I thought also maybe it was Kevin Durant's way of kind of trying to throw the Blazers a bone. No, I thought it was his way of like trying to being like, well, you know, you guys were, you know, you guys got taken by this weird thing that the Pelicans did. You know, I don't know. I thought it could have been something like that. I don't know. With guys at that level, I I would say that that's almost a, that's, that's almost a pity kind of oh, thing and, like, and guys the guys at that level definitely don't want to see they, they don't want that pity gratitude or anything yeah. along that line you know what i mean right so i've been thinking about him and i think that kevin durant should just go ahead and lean into the villain role i think he's trying to fight it and like he, he wants we, to be loved we but we just want him to be but he he spends so much time talking about how he doesn't care um but he cares so much about he's not sensitive he doesn't care Tara. He's not sensitive. <laughs> but I think you should just I think you should just lean into the villain role and just like be that guy and you know let you know let it I mean look listen to me leaning telling somebody that they should lean into the villain role. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but here's why is because you know like everybody needs somebody to rally around and if he leans into this you know being the villain like every team is going to be trying to figure out a way to take down him and a way to fight down him. And it will place him at the center of so many, um, you know, narratives. Whereas right now it's just kind of like, oh, Kevin Durant did this weird thing. Let's talk about him for 15 minutes or whatever. But if he just like dove head first into being the villain, I, you know, I think, I think it could be, I think it could be good for him and I think it's good for, for basketball. And that kind of goes to, like, one of the other things that I want to talk about with the Warriors is, like, the whole thing, you know, they, they ruined the league or whatever. And I was wondering about this in terms of, like, did they really ruin the league? Or is it maybe have they made other teams play better because they want so badly to beat them? Meh. <laughs> I, you don't think I, so? You don't think that the no, way that I think they've that's, constructed that's their team has made other teams try that no. much harder? No, because I, I think the vast majority of people understand that what the Warriors have done is, and, and credit where it's due, but I think the reason why you don't get those guys tooting their own horns publicly all that much um, is because of how much luck was involved. Getting yeah, drafting Steph Curry, yeah, 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 okay, that was risky and it worked out well for them. Well, if they knew that, then why are they underpaying Steph Curry in his contract? Well, his ankles were glass, so that worked out for you. If everybody knew Draymond Green was going to be so good, he's not going to get drafted where he got drafted. So you got a, a Hall of Fame All Defensive player in the second round. You got Clay Thompson to take less money. Um, you had no cap smoothing and and allowed. Um, Kevin Durant to be able to have the space necessary to make that like every single thing that's worked out for them and again credit where it's due but organizations around the league are not going oh okay so I need 27 things to happen perfectly in order to you know have a chance to beat this team that or have LeBron James plus two other superstars and hope for one of the best finals performances of all time. So you don't think that other teams trying to figure out how to unlock the secret that it's going to take to beat them is producing better basketball. No, I, I think that right now you're looking at teams like the Celtics and 76ers who are not really like, yeah, they want to beat this, the, the Warriors. There's no doubt there. But what they're really looking at is, okay, the Warriors aren't going to be a problem in two years. Like contracts, cash, age, 
uh, everything else that kind of goes with it, that all kind of funnels away and disappears over the next two to three years, right? I mean, that's so that's they're the just biting theory. their time. Yeah, they're they're getting their their education, as it were, um, that you need in order to be a champion, because you usually bump up against that that ceiling a few times before you get there, um, and then once that dynasty wears them, they'll now they'll they'll take the finals trip, and if they do get lucky or or if they do kind of come together and grow uh, even more, the Celtics or the 76ers, and they have a shot at the Warriors in the finals and they pull a victory, they're going to claim that they've been building towards beating the Warriors because it sounds damn good. But none of these organizations are going in with the thought of, yeah, we can beat the Warriors this year. As long as they have a healthy Steph, Durant, um, Clay, and Draymond, Nobody's going into a season thinking, yeah, no, we can really beat this team. Especially not on a team like Houston now who lost their two best wing defenders. So that's that's a long-winded rant on it. But, yeah, I, I think teams want to put out the narrative that they're doing that. But I don't think in reality anybody's really trying to. And I think that's why you, you see somebody like C.J. McCollum who is who voiced his frustration. Like, man, like, he could have gone anywhere else. And he went to you guys, you know, the Warriors. Um, talking about cousins, mm-hmm. and he 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 specifically called out that, yeah, no, I, I I called Boogie like I had to figure out exactly what was going on. So I think it lets you know that players aren't aren't trying to build towards that. So why would organizations? The players are not trying to build towards that. Towards you know being this super. You don't this, think this, Damian this Lord that, wants to unlock the secret to beating the Warriors? I think he does, but I think in the back of his head, the, the 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 realization is there that you're not beating four Hall of Famers unless you're able to yourself stack up three or four Hall of Famers. But you you always talk about how you know great these guys' egos are, and don't you think that helps compel them towards you know excellence or whatever that thing is that you know that you're so into? <laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, I, know, I, the I, I do. It makes them better. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do, but I think that even for that, there is a, a turning point for it. Like, I, I think that um, there's a realization that there hasn't ever been a team like this in history. Uh-huh. A team with four in-prime Hall of Famers on it. Yeah. Like, I, the closest you can get is yeah, maybe can, the mean, Celtics. And even then, you aren't talking about... It, it, here's the thing, is it's not just it's four Hall of Famers. It's a fact that you're talking about the second best player of this generation, the best shooter of all time, one of the top three defenders of all time, and a guy who is probably going to go down as top five, at least top ten, best shooters in NBA history in Clay Thompson. Like, it's not just that it's five Hall of Famers. It's that it's or four Hall of Famers. It's the combination of where they are. And what and the position they're in their career, and that even to the most egomaniacal, driven, top tier superstar athlete, is can be soul crushing. Do, do you think LeBron went to the Lakers now to build a basketball dynasty? No, he's not trying to unlock the secret to being the Warriors. He's trying to live in L.A. and have a a brand beyond basketball. Because you're talking about the best player in the world, huh? I don't know. I disagree. I think that I think that these guys do want to unlock the secret. I don't think they're just going to take it. I think every time that they any of these guys play the Warriors, I think they want to. They want to beat them, and they oh, believe yeah. that they can, and they think that they're going to the be series. able to figure it out. <laughs> 
I think that there may be a part of them. There may be a strong part of them. You may even a majority part of them that thinks they can do it. But there's an overwhelming sensation, I would imagine, for the vast majority of guys that say that, you know what, this, is, this isn't a thing. Like, yeah, you may be up in the first half, and then that third quarter Warriors comes out, and you're like, um, what, what just happened? And I think that's what happens pretty much every time. Um, and then when, when they see the rich getting richer by picking up a DeMarcus Cousins in the offseason, that's, that's got to be, uh, okay. that's gotta be disheartening. It's it's making me feel gross talking about them this long. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the heat. It's just like, oh, I don't I don't want to keep talking about them because I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, but I do want to return just briefly back to CJ and Katie. Um, do you think that uh, where do you fall on the basketball players should shouldn't aren't friends? Like, how do you think? The fact that these guys all, like, they're all going on each other's bleeping podcasts nowadays, right? Um, mm-hmm. So there's obviously some degree of, of friendship. Like, do you think that makes better basketball the more familiar and, you know, friendly they are? Or do you think that harms basketball? Or do you have any thoughts on that at all? Um, I'm okay with them being friends as long as some of them hate each other. <laughs> okay. Like and they do. As long as like, there's that, a villain, like KD yeah, the, could be the yeah, villain. Look, there's there's a real group of players. Like there there are guys who are in the league that legitimately hate each other. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've heard some stories that have made my eyes go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in general, they some of some these guys, so many of them like come up together, like starting all the way back, you know, in AAU days, they might be playing oh, yeah. together. Yeah, no, it's it can it can definitely be bad, but. I I am much more team uh, team, team friendship. Uh, you were gonna no. say team friendship, weren't you, Dan? Dan team is anger. team friendship. <laughs> oh, you think it's better when they don't like each other? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm talking about not not better like in terms of like the drama, but like actual basketball. Oh like, no, yeah, no. I, like I want guys going. You think at it's each better other. basketball when they don't oh, like each yeah. other and they don't care if they're just, but as opposed to they know each other so well that they know each other's tricks and um more than just like the scouting report but they know each other so well that they know like the reasons behind why they do i, I want to see their their best friends like become mortal enemies that's what i want to see wow like, they, like when they so they start talking trash it's like it becomes like real personal mm-hmm. like I, that's what i want to see well, like I, we have a good chance to see that this uh, coming season because so many players, big name players, now have have traded teams. I mean, yeah that that Toronto San Antonio series is going to be mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I, yeah. So th- th- those those two games that. are those two games are going to be. Uh, well, yeah. so now now that now that Kawhi has been traded to Toronto, I still am shocked that. San Antonio got so much from that deal because I think DeMar DeRozan is I really I really was su- surprised that they got so much out of it um but so you know so now that that has kind of shaken out and most of the free agents also have now uh, sw- chosen their teams who which team do you think got better gets gets the most better I don't know what's the how do you say that <laughs> Between San Antonio and uh, Toronto? 
Um, no, well, I was going to do like generally, but maybe we could start with that and then go out, I guess. Well, I mean, the Lakers, obviously, because they pick well, up yeah. LeBron. Right. But um, number, what's the second team? <laughs> it, I mean, it's Toronto. I mean, they, they picked up a top, like, I think people forget. And you're a hundred percent positive that Kawhi is going to be back and he's going to be just like he was last year. The no- yeah. nothing that happened this year is going to affect how he plays next year. He's going to screw with his bag if he does. So, um, and there's some things, there's some CBA provisions that are going to prevent um, him from um, dragging out this situation, possibly. Um, because if he doesn't in the final year of his contract, um, render services um, for right, what you is mean it, if he doesn't play 90 days, yeah, then it becomes a uh, an arbitra- arbitration board where a a solo doctor comes over and then it's in his hands and then Kawhi can't play or sign with anybody else until the Raptors give permission. So yeah, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard is going to play basketball and he's going to play it hard because he wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you think the rest of the team is equ- equipped to, uh, absorb him and his style oh, yeah. and everything that he does? Yeah, no, I mean, like, well, I mean, who knows what it's going to do as far as in the locker room, because now you have to kind of wonder what does Kawhi's presence do to the locker room, um, especially when a guy like DDR is the guy that went out who was so beloved um, inside and outside the organization. But from a purely basketball standpoint, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, if you had me ranked at the top three players in the world when healthy, I'd say LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean... If you're moving um, Jakob Pertle and DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Let's not forget Danny Green's could still a decent basketball player here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a hell of a fit for, for Toronto. Who else do you think made um, big strides in the offseason? Um, I really want to say Dallas did. By, really? Yeah. By, Between Doncic by, and Jordan? By, yeah. Yeah. You move up to take Doncic. Um, Atlanta had a chance and they took Trey Young. I, God bless their hearts. I hope, you know, that that one seems like one that's going to come back and bite a lot of people. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, take a look at Dallas right now. There's always one team that surprises. Last year it was the Pacers when they added Oladipo and Sabonis. This team is adding Doncic and DeAndre Jordan to Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes, and Wes Matthews and Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a pretty decent team, right? On paper? It should, it should be. <laughs> so, um, I, I really like what they did. Um, Phoenix is another team I've talked about that, again, we're talking about that's really through the draft more than anything else. Um, I really like the fact that the Spurs didn't send Kawhi Leonard to the West. <laughs> so yes. That was that was good. That was the um, nicest thing they've ever done for Trailblazer fans. Right? I mean, they they, they owe us that after uh, Sean Elliott. At bare after minimum. taking everything that we love over yeah, the last so, 10 years. Mm, yeah. And then longer. And putting a snake um, in T-Rob's locker. Yeah, I I'm almost forgot about for that. that one. Oh my god, I forgot about That's that. That's one of my favorite things. I have a I have a snake theme, Dan, 
And uh, for people who haven't read it, Sean Hyken wrote a great article about the history of the snake meme, basically, in the NBA, Mm -hmm. which is really great. But he did not include the part uh, during the playoffs in, what was it, 2015 or 16 when Portland was in San Antonio and there was a snake in T-Rob's locker. Now, I'm not saying that San Antonio put it there on purpose, but it was there. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, San Antonio is a weird place. I mean, they had bats flying around in there, so yeah. I, I think there's at so least that, a But that was the of... nicest thing that they did is that they uh, sent Kauai to the east. Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking around the league, um, I really like what the Lakers have done um, from a standpoint of it's going to be so damn entertaining. What right. a complete and utter dumpster fire that is going to be. I think LeBron, the reason he's okay with all these signings is he's got that new show that he's putting together with HBO where they're going to have, like, never-ending content. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's that's the best, like, managing editor or producer of a show I've ever seen. Like, hey, want to watch me create content for the next three years by five signings? Boom. <laughs> like, so the real I... Lakers of Los Angeles is, is happening. I think that the addition of all those veterans on one year, I think people are making too big of a deal of, about that. I mean, I think it was like we got to give we we need to send we need to bring in some people who have experience because we have a talented young core. So, I feel like they're just kind of they brought in enough guys with a, a vast array of experience and personalities so that they could, you know, have enough to match everybody up and make sure that somebody's got either like a mentor or somebody who they can at least be paired up with to um, think about like, this could be your career. You know, you, know, you could, you could pay attention right now and work really hard. Um, this could be, this could be what you turn out good or bad. But I mean, I think that they brought those guys in just, you know, to be there for a year so that that young core, they could figure out which ones of those young guys work the best with LeBron. I don't think it's really that weird that they brought in all those guys. Yeah, I think it's a little weird, Tara. You you don't really? bring in that collection of dudes unless you're trying to do something. Okay. Like but- like one of the one one of those guys is enough. Like just okay. Just for, for perspective's okay, no, sake, okay. the I Cleveland the, Cavaliers I, had one dude in J.R. Smith who threw a mm-hmm. bowl of soup and forgot the score in the finals. And uh-huh. look at the play that one dude got. Now mm-hmm. you're going to throw Lance Stevenson, who's already just all kinds of cuckoo. So you, I, Lance is the toughest one, but I can see JaVale and Rajon Rondo both bringing things. JaVale McGee gets a terrible rap. No, he has a terrible rat tail. That's that's the problem. JaVale, you know, and he okay, wears I like it with JaVale. pride. He's embraced hey, it. I like JaVale, but JaVale is a basket of cats. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get in any given moment. He's entertaining. He's funny. But he's just as likely to box out and get an offensive rebound and go for a dunk as he is to forget which end he's going to score on. But he's like, the kind of guy who, if he's on the bench for five games and, you know, doesn't see the the court, he's sitting there next to those young guys. He's a presence there. He's talking to them. And then when it's time for him to get in, he is up and he is in and he is 100% Tira, in. there was 20 of those guys on the free agent list still. 
Like that's what I'm saying. Like they, they weren't signing these these guys because they, they were that, like that's what was left. They went out and actively searched out Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo. Like I forgot about Michael you, Beasley. <laughs> yeah, they went out and signed the Bad News Bears. Like mm-hmm. th- this is in this is something they actively went out and did. There, there's no doubt in my mind. It is, mm-hmm. I, at the bare minimum, the way everybody in the NBA wins here is it all drowns out LeVar Ball. Like, the <laughs> amount of just ridiculous things. Yeah, the, they could the, just uh, send Lance to go talk to LeVar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, Boom. Like, LeVar has to say something so ridiculous now to even get the, like, the smidgen of attention that he got last year will have to be so far out of left field that nobody will even take it seriously. Yeah, and I I think that uh, Rondo would be um, I think it's great for Lonzo Ball to have Rajon Rondo there. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you uh, laughing? As great and as like basketball savanti as uh, Rajon Rondo is with the basketball and as a point guard, the the things that I've heard about him um, and his relationship with with teammates. Especially uh, like helping younger guys, um, not something I've heard a lot of positive things about. Okay, but but Lavar <laughs> Ball isn't or Lonzo. Sorry, did I call him Lavar earlier? Um, no, Lonzo, Lonzo isn't somebody who needs babysitting. He need he's somebody. I'm not even talking babysitting. I'm talking like just like basic mentoring. Like the the, uh-huh. the rap on Rondo is is that he's. He's the basketball version of my personality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to put it to put it lightly, he, he's a and he's a bit of an a hole. Up and comer who's trying to learn the business wouldn't. Want he isn't really going to gonna benefit. You? Yeah, he's he, I don't. He's not that guy. He's he's not the uh, the wise old sage. I'm not saying that he's going to be the Ed Davis the... to the Zach Collins. No, but I it's, like that. Not not what I'm he's, saying. He's the, he's there to hoop. Like I don't think he's there to be anything for Lonzo. Again, I think this is more about like the stories that I've heard about Lonzo are are pretty pretty impressive. Uh, or should be uh, about Rondo are pretty impressive considering uh, what um, I'm trying to dance around this the right way because I can't. There's things that I can't what, say. Him um, beating little kids at Connect Four two at a time. Yeah, there you go. That's the perfect example. Um, with with how Rondo is, is kind of perceived around the league, like there's there's some realism to that. So, so Rajon Rondo is uh, is known for going to a boys and girls club and taking on all comers and just destroying all the kids at Connect Four. Let's let's just say we'll, we'll use that like one playing incident. multiple games at a time. Yeah, we'll we'll use that one incident as a uh, as a, a kind of a marker for like how Rondo is perceived around the league. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, well, he is he is a prickly personality. Um, right. But I mean, just the, the Lakers signings in general are like the, if if Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka made these deals or Jerry Bruckheimer made these deals like you couldn't tell which one signed who because <laughs> they work is easily theater. <laughs> yeah, they work just as simple as they do for a horrible L.A. movie as they do for a horrible L.A. basketball team. But you don't really think they're going to be horrible, do you? Uh, with LeBron, it, it boosts him up to a playoff team. Because if you take LeBron out of that team, oh my God, the infighting would have just been right. LeBron's yeah, personality no, is just so yeah. big that 
it's going to overshadow everything. Yeah, don't get me um, wrong. Like, I wouldn't want any of those guys coming in without LeBron also coming in. Yeah. yeah that- <laughs> Absent LeBron, I'm completely <laughs> with you. Let me be absolutely clear on that. But, yeah, I mean, without like, league-wide, those, yeah. those are the big storylines that I, I'm looking at so far are obviously the Kawhi DeRozan trade. Um some, some stars made some moves and didn't make moves. There's just there's a lot of things here that I just I just want the season to get here because there there are some things that are going to play out with some of the young upcom- upcoming teams: Dallas, Phoenix, uh, Memphis, um, Atlanta, like Chicago. Like what's going to happen with with them? Because they're obviously the tiers behind the Boston's and the Phillies of the world. Um, and obviously the, the train wreck of Carmelo, who is yet to sign with Houston officially, um, like what, oh, that's, what that's going to mean kind of going forward, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really, there's a, a couple things with regards to the Blazers. Um, you know, are they going to make it to the playoffs with the West in the situation that they are right now? That's something we're going to really need to I think we can't I don't think we're going to know until we see. I mean, we could prognosticate as much as we want, but I think some of these teams I mean, when I run the schedule, new makeups are so yeah. special <laughs> that you just got to see. I mean, when the schedule comes out, I'll run my simulations like I do every year. And uh-huh. um I mean, I've gotten pretty close the last couple of years. I mean, uh, yeah. the last Did you uh, predict the Blazers coming in third in the West? No, I had not I had, third I, in the yeah. I had them between sixth and seventh last year, but it wasn't off by that many wins. I think I had them at forty six and a half mm-hmm. was my line for them, um, right? Which was which was the line when you know with the year before, um, but I figured that would have had them at again at sixth or seventh. So, um, and I'm I think sad that's gonna we be can't dis- go back the into the year. trade machine and put the new. Um, the new players in and see how, cause you know how in the trade machine it says this team will improve by three and this team will. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, you can, know. you can do that to an extent like, uh, like Jacob Goldstein got his model that's out there where it's, it's the same basic idea where, you know, it shows you based on uh, a couple different measurements, what, what the expected wins are. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen across the board from, from a lot of, of analytics, basketball analytics, Twitter, is that they're at anywhere from thirty-eight to forty-four wins, uh-huh. um, which if you if you contrast that with where they've been the last couple of years, it's kind of like where they've fallen, right? And with not they? many changes and ex- reasonable expectations of Western Conference, I think most people are going to look at Portland as one of those odd teams out, mm-hmm. and that's going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> well, and and but last year also we were so sure that teams like Minnesota. And um, Denver, we're going to make these astronomical leaps. And so I Minnesota think we're going to be right there again. Well, they made it into the playoffs, but I mean, did, I don't know. They didn't get as much better as I thought that they were going to get. And then OKC, we thought OKC was going to, you know, run Rasha, run over everybody. And, you know, they they really didn't. I mean, so my other thing is, is like with the Northwest division last year, it being so tight competitively. Um, it's going to be brutal I'm, again. I'm wondering. Yeah. It, yeah. If this isn't Denver's year, what, what is, yeah. well, you, you I know, mean, 
they, we, we've said, I don't know, this is like, it's, it's hard because this is the third season that we're going into with the exact same storyline of continuity and, you know, all these other play, teams are going to uh, take off. And, like, I guess what I'm wondering is, like, are the Blazers really going to run back and play the same kind of basketball again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that hamster wheel's fun. Could they do the thing that, you know, Toronto did last year, which didn't work out great for Dwayne Casey in the end. But, you know, you know, we're going to redo our um, culture, but we're going to keep all the same players. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess one good thing, one thing that we could look for is, are they going to have a San Diego trip again this year? Because they didn't do that last year. And now they have, like, four new guys that they have to incorporate. So... Maybe they'll shake things up again by doing their preseason trip and, you know, get them off on the right foot again. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just weird. There's so much having gone on. And you've been saying this. This isn't like a surprise to you. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, the third year we have the exact same storyline. Oh, we have so mm-hmm. much continuity. They're the youngest team in the league. This hamster um, wheel's fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is this is why I've been like, not to, to beat this freaking drum again, but this is why. And you know what? I'm gonna go down this this rabbit hole because I had some I had multiple people people bringing up on Twitter over the last few days that people were questioning because I didn't think that the Blazers not using the TPE was the end of the world. Uh-huh. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not something that's typically used. Like, right. It, it's not. And I had people thinking that I wasn't able to see the big picture that I was championing what the Blazers were doing right now. And it like, it made me want to put my head through a wall well, because I don't think there's been anybody as vocal as me for the almost three years now calling for radical change. Right. Like so the fact that anybody would even confuse the fact that I but, am okay I mean, well, with staying where things are is like, and not well, exactly. I, I think people were maybe people were looking at the TPE, TPE as the Blazers' last chance for radical change, and when you saw them let that go by, one more thing that they let go by, you know, they think that you're going to be mad about that. So, I mean, I have a hard time trying to figure it out with you too, because. You know, and some sort, it's like what I, I think I responded to you, like what, what the Blazers are doing right now and have been doing is they're hugging a tree. Like if you are lost in the woods, you find a tree and you hold on to it until people come and find you. Of course, if you figure out some way to get out, you get out. But otherwise, you hold on until your rescue comes. And right now, the rescue coming is going to be 2020 when all the contracts expire. So, like, you know, you don't want them to, you know, make moves just for the sake of moving, mo- making moves, do you? Like, you want them to make a big, giant no, and, move because and, you think it's one that, that's going to yeah. make a difference. Otherwise, hold on. Right? Is that? Well, no, it's not even hold on. I want them to make a move. But like, if they like, don't, I, I because it. they haven't yet, and, you know, they're... Uh, then, you know, yes, then we, don't double down on stupidity. Right. Right. It's either it's either wholesale changes or just write just it out and be on. miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's <clears throat> I don't think there's a world where this little tweak here I I'd say, somebody replied to me, he was like, because I said that Wilson Chandler at best adds two to three wins. And he says, Well, what if they add two to three wins this year? And then they add two to three wins next year, and then two to three wins like 
growth in the NBA, growth in any sport is not linear. And everybody kind of needs to take a step back and realize that. Uh, when, what do you when mean it it's not linear? Just because you won one year doesn't mean you're going to win more the next year. Okay. It's not linear. Winning is but, not linear. It, but, it never has and never will be. Because there, there are changes. So are you saying perfect you have to is, take a step back in order to move forward? At, at a certain point, yes, you do. Every franchise does. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at Wilson Chandler. Whether or not it's on purpose or not. Yes. Let's take a look at Wilson Chandler. Okay, say the Blazers add Wilson Chandler for this year, and they win two or three more games than they would have otherwise. Great. Now what? Now you're in the luxury tax, and you are putting your owner in a position where it's going to cost more money for the same talent as it would to everybody else in the league who's not paying the luxury tax. And people could say, well, it's Paul Allen's money. I don't care. Guess what? Paul Allen cares. So everybody just needs to just realize that now. But, so what um, if they he's, take a- he's a billionaire. Okay, well, let me finish. Let me finish this. So Wilson Chandler added those two to three wins this year. Well, now what's the sunk cost and what's the expected cost to get those two to three wins back? Well, does that mean you have to sign Wilson Chandler? Well, now you don't have the cap space to sign Wilson Chandler. And the, with the money that you are going to offer him, even if he takes it, it's going to cost you more in the long run just to replace the two to three wins that he got you let alone the two to three more wins that you expect to get if you're talking about linear growth. And that's why it matters so much when people ask about contracts and value because you want to be the team like the Warriors where your production is ahead of the the value or cost uh, that's sunk into them so that when the growth isn't linear, then you can make the moves necessary to add the next piece to get forward without having to change things out. So you're, I think that last part of what you were talking about is when you talk about players who have the most potential to outperform their contract. Yes. You need to get as many players on your roster who can potentially outperform their contract. Right now, the Blazers have too many people on the roster who are just barring miracle. They have two players <laughs> on their roster who are non-rookies their contract so what would you have them do who the blazers i would as always i've advocated for a radical change and that's trading cj mccullum like that's okay. nothing new okay so it's back like, to C- okay trading cj yeah, that's what you're talking yeah okay. no yeah it's, it's nothing it, that's nothing new right. um okay. but the the idea that because i didn't because i wasn't mad about like, like listen the grand scale of me getting frustrated or angry about the TPE being used was very minimal. Was I happy? No. Did I understand why with all of the history that's surrounded what I've seen for the past three years? Yeah. I mean, the writing was on the wall. Was I still discussing options the Blazers could potentially use it for? Yeah, because it's, that's my job. But like in the grand scheme of things, is, is that the thing that's really going to piss me off? No. And I just found it a little bit strange that I found a lot of fans were... Like, that was the breaking point. Like, hey, if that's the breaking point for you to get on the side of the Blazers have made a ton of mistakes and they need to rectify the situation, cool, good, great, grand. Welcome to the club. We, we, we serve cookies. Well, and I think that <laughs> I think a, a lot of people were watching it because Neil Olshay came out and said, we have this massive TPE that we can use. Numerous I mean, times. Like, if you want to get mad about him selling the TPE, that right. I understand. Yeah, I understand yeah. that more than the the idea of not using the TPE because most TPEs go unused. So right, but right. yes, the but, marketing of it totally get that. But like you said, 
it's your job. And some of us are just like watching and enjoying. And when the, yeah, when he comes out and markets it as this asset that they can use and they don't use it, people are going to get mad and they're going to, you know, turn to you because you've been, you know, saying they need to make a big change and you know, it looks <laughs> like they had this chance and they didn't. So I think that's why, you know, I wouldn't get that mad about it. <laughs> um, there was but, a lot more frustration with it than I, than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that again, way. it goes back to marketing. Okay. We should wrap it up um, because I have turned off all my fans and closed all my windows in order to make this podcast. And I am sweating so <laughs> bad right now. <laughs> um, two more quick shout out to central air. Just to mention is that uh, if you uh, want to watch basketball and you want to watch a Portland Trailblazer play ba- play basketball, the NBA Africa game is going to be next Saturday, August fourth, and Aminu is playing on the Africa team. So that's, that's his second or third time down there, I think. Yeah, it's his it's his second time, I believe. And CJ McCollum also played uh, previously mm-hmm. for the world team. Um, but Amina will be there playing for Africa, and he's also already been in Africa this year. He did his camp in Ibadan um, earlier in in July, so that's cool. Um, Blazer Five Gaming update: They have clinched their playoff spot. They are the number one seed in the playoff tournament. They had a doubleheader this weekend, and one wild walnut put up a thirty point twenty four rebound double double. The use of Nurkic special. A few hours later, Mama I'm That Man got a 29.24 assist double double. So Blazer 5 Gaming, they are on fire. So So you've now officially cursed them. No, I've been talking about them this whole season, Dan. Uh, I know. You said last week, though, that every time you, you, you try to bring them up, they, they fall short. So you, are you going to jinx them going into the playoffs? No, no. They, they lost one there. game. We've dealt with that. They were up too, too late the night before playing video games, ironically, in my opinion. That's, no, that's what I, in, my, in my mind, that's why they lost. Wouldn't that be great if, like, your, your excuse for that was, like, I was working? <laughs> But no, they. Uh, I don't know why they lost that one game, and I. Um, uh, it happens. I'll forgive them that because they did retain the number one seed, which I think is super awesome. So, you can uh, watch them coming up. You can watch the NBA All Africa game. The um, I guess we didn't really touch on the mini camp, but you know, if you're desperate for NBA news, you could follow what's going on with the or what happened at the mini camp that Damian Lillard showed up uh, one day. Yeah. To, uh, got his hang picture out taken for with but his the, buddies. It, it is worth pointing out that Dame uh, Dame will probably make the the next Olympic team if he wants to. So I I hope so. I mean, um, credit to him just, for sticking with sticking it. it out because a lot of guys at that at that, that point in their career wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's cool for him. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's about all I can I can find for us to discuss this week. We don't want. Yeah, no. This is uh, the fact that we got an hour out of this is is pretty much uh, something that's very good for the the fact that um, I just can't shut up. So speaking (laughs) of not shutting up, um, I do have a cool uh, event to announce. Uh, August nineteenth is the Rip City Cornhole Tournament, the official Rip City Cornhole Tournament. So that'll be taking place down. At the Moda Center Garage, um, Shane, Joe, and I will be down there as the official representation of NBC Sports and uh, Blazers Outsiders. So if you're uh, so how's that going to work? Cornhole, 
It's it's a three man team. Okay, three person so, team. Yep. Um, uh, we will. And be, so, is uh, it going to be through NBC Sports Northwest? Like, are you going to be able to go on there and like sign up and stuff? It, no, it's this is the Blazers cornhole tournament. This is the official Rip City one. So, oh, um, okay. I'll put the uh, I'll put the link in the uh, in the page. But uh, yeah, it's just something cool to do during the summertime because Lord knows August in the NBA that's that's like Death Valley. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll have to learn. Oh, oh, I don't know any of the rules of cornhole. I can't promise I'm going to get as into cornhole as I got into um, esports. But no, you will. You know, that, that's we'll give thing. it a try. It, I'm, it, I'm it, gets, my, it gets I'm more time on this game. All right, Dan. Well, it's great to talk to you this week. Uh, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. And why don't you take us out? All right, folks. As always, you can find me on Twitter at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, on Tuesdays and Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Northwest, uh, on Blazers Outsiders with my co-hosts Shane Brennan and Joe Simons. Um, you can find me on all social media at the same handle. I think I've got them all linked up now. Yeah. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Um... Apologies for the podcast because it's it's July, folks. Going into August, hey. this is what you get. <laughs> I'm apologizing for myself here, okay? Not, not for yeah. you, Terry. You're always great. Um, but if you guys do have questions, comments, concerns, you can always shoot them to us on Twitter at our handles or Tara. Go ahead and let them know with the email address. Oh, yes. It is uh, blazersedgepod at gmail.com. Perfect. As always, folks, likes, like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It does help us out. Unsubscribe, do it all, take advantage of the system. We are a part of the Almighty Baller Podcast and Radio Network. Uh, For Terra Bone Biggs, I'm Danny Marine. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, and catch you later.